Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Sari Gimel. Today's shoes the um, Ilunishmas Gila Gila Bas Yitzchak Yisrael Halevi and Orakir Bas Gershom and Eliyahu Ben Leon. May the Neshamas have an Aliyah and may the memory be a blessing. Um, it's also for for Shlema of. Adasa Basraina Edelman, she have a complete and speedy recovery. Okay, so we got up to the mission at the top of Tari Gimel Amar Aleph, 93a. Um, it's the sixth line. So he says, Misha Hoyonosu. Interesting, we're going to notice we start off the parak with someone who was married to two women, now we're moving on to someone who's married to three women, and we're going to move on to someone who's married to four women. At the end of today's daf, it seems by mentioning that is it seems that the next Mishnah, it's not so relevant how many wives he was married to, but just to keep it, uh, remember they used to focus on, memory, on knowing the Mishnahs of Bahat and memorizing them, so it's a way to remember it is, oh, the Mishnah of two wives, three wives, four wives, as opposed to two, three, you know, and then it just gets confusing. So it's Mishnah, once in a while we do answer questions in a Mishnah, like I'm, I don't know if you remember, but we see quite a few times it says, why does it use this term in the ratio when it, or in the safer in the first half of the mission when it's not precise? Should use a more precise term. It says no, it just wants to keep it uniform with the second part of the mission. I mean, what, what different? Why keep it uniform? No, when you have to remember it off the heart, then it's easier to have it either opposites or the case the same even though it's not or use the same term even though just to keep it uniform even though so so we find that in the Mishnahs a few times that it uh, had that it was what's it compiled in that style so Misha Yonosu Shalosh Noshim if someone was married to two wives Umais and then he dies Subasa Shalzu Mone Veshalzu Mosaim Veshalzu Shalosh Mayas and the Ksubar of the one woman is a hundred the second woman 200 and the third woman 300. I'm just going to call them first, second, and third wife. Again, the first one's ksuba is the cheapest 100, then 200, and then 300. Now, just before we go into the mission, we're going to see how does this tana hold you divide. Oh, first point is you have to learn that all of these ksubas have the same date because we're going to say they each have an equal claim to the estate. Now, if one ksuba is earlier than the other, well, her shibud, her lean on the land of the estate, came first, so she would get first rights. So that's why we have to be discussing a case where all their liens on the shibud, on the property, on the estate, came at the same time. Quite a busy day, imagine it. <laughs> yeah. um, so the Rambam brings the halacha, you can marry multiple women at once. Yeah, yeah. Three women on the same, same day. You have to work it out, whatever suits your family best. <laughs> what we'll see, I mean, <laughs> what we'll see, interestingly, I mean, from the next Mishnah, we'll see, obviously, even if one was Ksuba, was an hour before the other or something like that, then that's the Ksuba that preceded the other one. So either, yeah, so either or uh, they forgot it. Each one says, no, I was the one who got married and had the first wedding. And no, I was the one who had the first wedding and no one really remembers clearly something like that. Okay, but 
Misha, so, so that's the case. He married three women, each was a different suba. Now we're going to discuss whether the estate is less than the amount. I mean, strictly speaking, he needs um, 600 for this estate to pay off the ksubas. What happens if the estate is much less? How do they divide it? Um, yeah, I might as well mention it now. How this tana holds we divide is the lien gives each of the women equal rights to the property that they have a lien on. Which means that you don't divide it, what's it, uh, um, three parts to the woman with three, two parts, well it's actually, yeah, yeah, three parts to the woman who's owed three to the third wife and two parts to the second wife and one part to the first wife. You don't divide it proportionally. You divide it how, how the standard way we're going to have to work out how it fits in with the Mishnah. But the way he holds it apart is the first wife has a lien on 100 of the estate. The second wife has a lien on 200 of the estate. And the third wife has a lien on 300 of the estate. So the first 100 that they're dividing, all three women have an equal claim to. So you'd have to split it three ways. The second 100, only the second and third women have a lien on that 100. Because the first one's lien was only on 100 of the property. So she's got 33. The second one's got 133 at that stage. Well, no, so the second one will have 66. Oh, sorry, 66. And the third one will also have 66. And then the last 100, only the third one has a lien on, so she'll have 166 from the estate. So that's the, that's the thing. Now, that's the system that he works under, but as we're going to see, the mission of the numbers don't work out. And then the Gomorrah is going to analyze, okay, so wait, why are the numbers not working out there? But that's how we would expect it to work out, but like the numbers we discussed. The first one should get just 33, because they divide the first 100. They each equally have the claim to that first 100. The second 100, the first one doesn't have a claim to. She only had a claim to the first 100. That's the way the mission understands it. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> let's see. Marina, uh, so I'm just calling it the first one. You're right. It's not really first, second, and third. They're all his first wife. Um, I'm just calling it the first one just to keep it, to, so we can distinguish between them. So that, that, that's why. But you're right. So he says, If there's only money, there's only 100 in the estate, so they divided equally. Um, second scenario says, What happens if there was 200? Now again, how we described it, just to highlight how the Mishnah doesn't make sense, is how should they divide 200? So all three split the first one. Right. Then, the second hundred, the second two divide. So the first one will have just 33, and then each of the other wives get uh, 83. Because uh, 200. Yeah. So each one's going to get a third of 200? No, no, no. Each, they each have a lien on the first hundred, an equal lien on the first hundred, all three wives. Oh, I see. Each have an equal lien on the first hundred. Because again, a woman who's owed 100 only has a lien on 100 of the estate. They each owed some some 100 and some more. So then they would each get 33% of the first 100, so let's say 33 and a third zoos, and of the second hundred, only the second two wives split it. So, they, so the first one gets 33%, 
oh, sorry, 33 zoos, and the other two get 83 and a third zoos. So that's, that's how we would expect them to divide it. But it says, Hoyu Shomosayim, if there was 200, Shomona no Teles Hamishim, the woman who's owed 100, I would, I called. Yeah, I should highlight Benji. The mission doesn't say first. It just says he married three women. I call the first, second, and third, just so we can distinguish between the woman who's owed 100, 200, and 300. That's a, you're right. It doesn't say first, second, and third. And that's what it says here. The woman who's owed 100, it doesn't call her the first wife. I called her the first wife. Because you're right. Just getting Oh, so that's Benji's question. Yeah. Oh. Why pick Benji and not me, for yeah. example? Oh, so, so I'll explain that again, but let's just go yeah, through yeah, the numbers. Yeah, it says, mm-hmm. yeah, it says The woman who's owed 100 gets 50. The woman who's owed 100 gets 50. And the other two women, the woman who's owed a ksuba of 200, the woman who's owed a ksuba of 300, each get Three gold dinars. A gold dinar is 25, so 25. Uh, 75, 75. So the other two. Now, yeah, let's just do the third case. What happens if there's 300 zoos in the state? Still, it's short 600, another 300 zoos to pay off the full estate. So how are they going to divide it? So, money not tell us commission. The one who's owed 100 gets 50. So, Mosayim, money, the one who's owed 200 gets 100. The shell Shalosh Mayos. Shisha shills off. And the one who's owed 300 gets 6 gold coins, which is again 6 times 25, 150 zoos. And then it says again a confusing line because it's not the exact same. If three people okay, literally put their money in, a, in one wallet, either they enter a business venture together, and they make a profit or a loss, they divide. What does it mean? How do they divide? Now, Tosas point out, it's not the same. What it means by saying it's the same, v'chein, well, before we go on to the v'chein, how do they divide? They divide proportionately to the investment of the capital. The one partner puts in 100 and the other partner puts in 200, and you're going to split the profit one and two, uh, three ways, with one getting to uh, double the other. Um, when it says v'chein, it means we're not splitting it equally, we're splitting it Proportionately. Okay, now let me just explain how the Mishnah, the, the Sfara behind the Mishnah. This is this is why I mean, yeah, shouldn't use the terms first, second, and third because it is misleading. But the Sfara is that the amount that a woman is owed for her ksuba, okay, it would be it's very similar to credit, but the amount that the woman is owed for her ksuba is how much she has a lead on the estate. So the if there's only a hundred in the estate. The woman who's owed 100 and the woman who's owed 200 and the woman who's owed 300 have an equal lien on that 100. Okay, not what you, again, they're not going to split it proportionately. Divide the 100 into 6 and split uh, 3 parts to the one who's owed 3. That's not how you do it. You see what their lien is. And they each have an equal lien, an equal shibud on that 100. When there's 200 in the estate, so all three have an equal lien on the first 100. But of the second hundred, only the second two women have a lien on. So that's how, that's why it gets complicated. Now the Gemara raises the, the complication with the first, with the with the second case. We said where there was two hundred, the first one, the one who's owed, not the first one, the one who's owed a hundred gets fifty. The one who's owed two hundred and three hundred each get seventy-five. 
שנאמר גמרא שיש שמונה נותנת חמישים, שליסין וטליסה וטילסה, הוא דה איסלאיל. She shouldn't get 50, she should get 33 and a third. Again, the first hundred should be split equally three ways, so each has an equal lean on it. So what is the Mishnah? So Omar Shmuel, Shmuel says, and this is how he's going to explain the Mishnah, where the one who's owed 200 says to the one who's owed 100, I'll have no claim against you in the first 100. Either second one says, you know what, I don't want to enter into fights with you, I'm going to withdraw my hand on collecting from the first 100. So now they're just two wives collecting from the first 100, so that's why she gets they split at 50-50. So the Gemara asks, oh wait, Ihachi, I'm a safer. But then the second part of that doesn't work out. So how would you say it works? The first, the woman who's owed 100 gets 50. Because there are only two splitting that first 100. The second woman, the woman who's owed, the woman who's owed 300 gets 50. Because she should get the other part of that 100. And then the second 100, the last two, um, the one who's owed 200 and the one who's owed 300 should split it equally. They each have an equal claim. So how much should the woman who's owed 300 get? 100. But we said that the woman who's owed 300 and the woman who's owed 200 get an equal share of 75. So that's what the Gemara, so that's what Yahya and Masefa, but wait, the next clause doesn't make sense. It says, The woman owed 200 and the woman owed 300. Shalosh. Shalosh shall Zahav each get three gold coins, 75 zoos. It says, <laughs> The woman who's owed 300 says, Say to the woman who's owed 200, You withdrew your hands from your claim on the first 100. <coughs> so the Gemara answers, Again, I didn't re- I've got to admit, I didn't really understand the logic here, but he uh, says, Mishum to Amra lay. She can say to him, He says, no, all I withdrew myself was from arguing with that woman who is owed 100. But I didn't really withdraw my shibud on that land. So what happens when she goes to the first wife, this woman who's owed 200 goes to the first wife, says, I don't want to fight with you. I'm not going to argue with your share on the first 100. What's she say? In regards to you, it's as if there are only two wives. And therefore, you're going to get 50. Regarding my not relinquishing my shibun on that first 100, so I so she splits it with the woman who's owed 300. So the woman who's owed 200, the woman who's owed 300, split the last 50. I don't really understand the logic of that because I saw Oswald discuss it, but I didn't uh, get a chance to really analyze it. While that's difficult, is granted, I don't want to fight with you. How can that cause a loss to someone else? Because again, if I don't want to, let's say they would split it equally. How much, let's say they would keep with the normal division. So they would each get 33 in the first 100. And then they would get um, the woman who's owed 200, the woman who's owed 300 would split the second 100 50 50. So how much would the woman who was owed 300 end up with? 83. How much is she ending up with? 75. So I'm struggling to see how can this person, this wife say, the woman who's owed 200 say, no, I don't want to fight with the first one. So let, I'm going to withdraw my claim regarding her 
from the first 100, so she'll get 50, and the woman who's owed 300 gets 50. But no, the woman who's owed 300, I am prepared to fight with, so we split that 50 equally. And now the woman who's owed 300 and the woman who's owed 200 then split the second 100 equally, so they each get 75. So the woman who's owed 300, instead of getting 83, if they would have followed them, 83 out of 30, if they would have followed the normal division, is getting 75. So it's difficult for me that how this, what the wife who's owed 200 can say, I don't want to fight with the wife who's owed 100. Therefore, they, she gets half of the first 100. And now the woman who's owed 300 loses out. Okay, but that's uh, but that's that's how Shmuel answers. And now he just explains the next case is If there was three hundred, etc., how do they again? How are we going to struggle with how you end up with a number? The one who's owed two hundred gets a hundred. She should only get seventy-five. Again, because you're right, we've established the case. Again, not you can't read the mission at face value. So how we establish the case that the second woman, the woman who was owed 200, said to the woman who was owed 100, "I'm not getting into a fight with you." So the woman who's owed 100 gets 50 from the first 100, and the other two each get 75. So that's the case. But then the next division shouldn't work like that. How should the next division work? The 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 woman who's owed 200. Um, 200, 300, split the next 100, 50-50. <coughs> so now they're each on 75. And the woman who's owed 300 should take the last 100 for herself because she's only the only one who has a deed on it. Okay, so she should get 175. But that's what it said. It said, Shemosaimon, it says the one who's owed 200 gets 100. She should only get 75, as we explained. So Omar Shmuel, Shmuel says, the Ksuvah's Baalas Shalosh Meaz, the Baalas Mosayim, or the Baalas Mone, Dinud Varim Aini Imochem. says, no. Shmuel says, the case is where the woman who is owed 300 said to the woman who's owed 200 and to the woman who's owed 100, I don't want to fight with you regarding the first hundred. So now what happens? Um, they, he's actually saying, in that clause of the Mishnah, you have to work it out differently. You have to say, the first two women, the 100 and the 200, split the first hundred. Because the third said, I'm not going to discuss with you with that 100. So they split it, each getting 50. The second hundred now... The woman who's owed two and the woman who owed three split equally, because they each have an equal lead on it. So that's now the one who's owed one uh, two hundred has one hundred, and the one who's owed three hundred has fifty, and the last hundred, only the the third hundred, only the one who's owed three hundred has a lead on that, so she gets. The full amount, so she'll end up with 150. That's how you end up with a Mishnah. Just important to note, what we're doing with this is we're taking the same principle of how they divide. We're just saying the Mishnah doesn't work at face value, and you have to do, I think, I think the word is an ukimta, 
you have to establish the Mishnah as a very specific case. And that's why it's almost bizarre how we're working. Because we're saying that the Tana comes along and he says that the first one, you know, how to split the money, and it just doesn't make sense. So Shmuel comes along and I'll tell you what the case is. The first, the case where they're splitting 200 amongst the three women is where the first one said to the, the second one said, the one who's owed 200 says to the one who's owed 100, I'm not going to discuss, I'm not going to fight with you over the first 100. So then we resolve the mission in that way. And then he says, Shmuel says, and what's the case of the second? Um, sorry, of the case where they're dividing 300 money amongst themselves, is where the third one says to the first two, I'm not going to debate, I don't want to get into a fight with you over the first 100, you two split it. So we're establishing these two cases, these two very different ways that the women are discussing among themselves what they actually fighting for in court. Now, we're going to give another way to resolve the Mishnah. Rabbi Yaakov, in a way, it's a harder way to look at the Mishnah. It's even, by, by that I mean it's, it's, in a way, it's a greater stretch of the imagination to look at the Mishnah like that. But at least then the first, the two cases that we're, that are under discussion are uh, are more uniform. You'll see what I mean now. It says, in the name of Ravina. Reisha, the first case, I where they splitting the 200, Bishtayt Vesus, the safer Bishtayt Vesus. It's where they're collecting from the property in two stages. Both where they're collecting, both where, again, cases as, it's the same Mishnah, where the one woman's owed 100, the other woman's owed 200, the other woman's owed 300, and the ratio is where they want to split 200, and the safe is where they want to split 300, but they both where they're collecting the property in two stages. And now he's going to explain what he means by that. It says, It's where first 75 fell, so they split that. I, they managed to, I, I don't know exactly how it's working that it came in two stages, but for whatever reason the state had 75 in one stage, and then it had another 125 in a second stage. We'll, I'll explain how you do the calculation shortly. Let's just see contrast with the safer bishtei tvisus. The safe is also a two tvisus. The nafshim keep it uniform. In the first tvis, in the first stage of where they're splitting the property, there was 75, just as we saw previously. And there were 225 at one time I in the second stage of division. Um, now, how did that work? So in the first, so, so it works as follows. Let's start with the first amount. So we have these three women splitting 200 zoos, but first the estate only has 75 zoos. Maybe not all the debts have been received, waiting for uh, uh, things to be sold off and uh, debts to come in, but they do the first division, where it's 75. They each have an equal lien on that 75. Because as we said, they each have an equal lien up to the first 100 of the estate. So each woman gets 25 from that 75. Now, at a later point, 125 fall to them. 
they each still have an equal lien on the further 75 because they've only been paid out 25 and now there's more money in the state so they're each claiming 70, an equally claiming an additional 75 so therefore they'll split the next 75 equally so they each have so how much do they each have? 50 they each have 50 and now the woman who's owed um, 100 and the woman who's owed 200 have a so the one's claiming 125 and the other one's claiming 225 but again on that last sorry the one's claiming 100 and the other one's put for her 100 they've already split it so the one's claiming 7, uh, 100 and the other one's claiming 200 but they each have an equal lien on the last 20, 50 of the estate because remember um, so therefore they split it equally and therefore, so how much do they each end up with? As we said, they each had 50 from the first two parts of the division. And now from this stage, they split it. The last two women, the woman who's owed 200, the woman who owed 300, split the 50 equally, so they each end up with 75. And that fits in perfectly with the numbers given in the Mishnah. The second, the safer. So again, what's the safer? Again, we have these three women. One owed 100, one owed 200, one owed 300. They come to divide the estate. At first stage, falls 75. And they split that at a later stage, 225. So let's work that out. So the first stage, they each have an equal claim on the 75, because they each have an equal claim on the first 100. So obviously the 75, they each have an equal claim, so they split that three ways, 25 each. On the, then they each come, then the estate gets more. This is the second crystal where there's 225 available. So what's that? They each have an equal claim on the next 75 because they're all 75 short from their first 100 which again that's all three women have an equal claim up until 100 that's the important point so they split the next and they each only got paid out 75 so they split the next 75 three ways that's what they each have an equal claim on so they split the next 75 three ways all three women end up with um, 50, have 50 and now they're working the first one is out of the picture because she's collected what she will get with her lien on 100. Full 50. 50, yeah. So she gets 50 out of her 100 claim. The Then, so how much money is left in the estate? 100 and... What have we done? Um, 150. 150. So the last two women have another equal claim on the next 100. And the next hundred, because they were owed, so they each get another fifty, and own, now there's fifty left. But so, so they, that's of the second hundred. The third woman has a, the only lien on the last amount, the last fifty. So she ends up with one hundred and fifty, and now we've resolved that, that. That lines up with the numbers mentioned in the Mishnah. Okay, so again, as you can see, what has we done? He's done what's called an ukimta. Um, again, he's, he's taken the Mishnah. He said the numbers of the Mishnah don't work. We have to find what's the strange case. So Shmuel's was, from the one aspect, Shmuel's was more straightforward. 
He just explained. The one woman says, I'm not debating with the one case, but obviously it's where the whole estate is up for division at once. That's more standard. Then in the second case, he's saying, he, Rabbi Yaakov Minar Pukot is saying that first 75 zoos of the estate fell to be divided, and at a later date, the rest of the estate came to be divided. That's strange. But what's easy about Rabbi Yaakov Nahar Pukot is both cases are where first 75 fell, and then the remainders fell. Shmuel had to change from the first case being where the second woman said to the first woman, I'm not going to fight over the first hundred, and the second case is where the third woman said to both of those women, I'm not going to fight over the first hundred. So they're each difficult in reading it into the Mishnah, but you have to read something. Rebbe, by writing those wrong numbers in the Mishnah, what's Rebbe doing? He's forcing us to read something into the Mishnah. Okay, now, very interesting. Tanya Zu Mishnah Rebbe Noson. This Mishnah lines up with Rebbe Noson. Okay, what was the underlying score? The most important point of the Mishnah to remember is what's the important point? What's the underlying principle behind the Mishnah? Is the woman, you go based on their shibud of the land up until the amount that they can claim. So the first one has a shibud of 100. And she can't claim, she has no claim in any of the assets available over 100. The second, the wife who was owed 200, has a shibud, has a, a claim on 200 of the estate and no more of the estate than 200. And the third one has a claim of 300. So they have a, each, so, so again, according to the mission, they have an equal claim in the 300, in the first, sorry, they have an equal claim in the first 100. Only the woman owed 200, 300 have a claim in the second 100. And if there's any more of the state available, only the third one has a claim in that. That's the Mishnah. That's Rebi Noson. Rebi Omer Einani Rod Varsha Rebi Noson. Rebi says, I don't understand Rebi Noson. The Elu in regards to this. Elocholkos Beshobe, they divided equally. He says, no. How does a lien work? They each have an equal lien on the whole estate until they've been paid out. So this woman who's owed one, let's say there's 300 in the estate to divide. This woman who's owed 100 has a lien on the whole estate until she's been paid out her 100. And the woman who's owed 200 has a lien on the whole estate until she's been paid out her 200. And the third woman has a lien on the whole estate. So if there is only 300 to be divided, they still all have an equal claim in that. So how are they going to split it? Very interesting. They're going to split it. They're each going to get 100 because they have an equal claim on the estate of 300. An equal bond. Again, it's the same thing if you think about it when you take out a loan. It's not that the loan can only has a the loan only is bonded to half of your estate, which is equal to the value of the loan. The loan is bonded to the whole estate. And then when the creditor comes to collect, he's going to collect again up to the value of the loan, but from theoretically any part of the estate. Okay, and obviously the debtor can choose which part of the estate he's going to get, but really he has a bond on any part of the estate. Okay, now let's go on to the next point. Um, this is going to be focused around the last case of the Mishnah, but it's a different case. Um, and if you think about it, generally when people are investing capital in a business, they're going to specify how to divide the profits. 
if I'm putting in 100, you 200, and you 300, and you 400, we're going to discuss how to split the profit. And very often, if it's going to be the profit um, proportional to our investments, we'll mention that in the contract that we draw up when we go into this partnership, into this venture together. But that's not a given, because maybe you're going to be putting in the capital, but I'm going to be putting in the expertise. Or you're going to be putting in the capital, or more of the capital, and I'm going to be putting in more of the time. So it doesn't just because you're putting in more capital than me, it's not a given that we're going to divide it proportional to the capital. So that's that's important to realize. So the current, the next case, what Shmuel seems, what Shmuel's speaking about, is a case where they didn't specify it. So we're going to assume that they want the profits or the loss to be split equally, not proportionately to the money they invest. They invested. So almost If you have two people who invest in a venture together, one puts in 100 and one puts in 200, they split the schar. Um, it will come even more apparent why, um, why in certain scenarios that makes even more sense. Shmuel makes a lot of sense if we're discussing, for example, an ox bought to plow and they're going to use it to plow. I let's, for whatever reason, we go into partnership to buy an ox. Maybe we rent out this, let's call it an ox, let's call it a tractor. We rent out this tractor to farmers to use to plow. Now, whether, why does Rabbis say it makes a lot of sense? Because no matter how much you put into the tractor and how little I put into the tractor in the investment in the initial, in the buying of this tractor, the tractor can't work without both of our investments. If we take out my 30% of the investment, so you want, you're going to have 60% of a tractor, 60% of an ox, you're not going to be able to plow with that. So granted, our investment in the capital are not the same. They're equally essential to the venture. So therefore, Rabbi says it makes sense. Much more would say you split it equally. Again, where it's unspecified, if we specify at the time of drawing up the contract of how business is going to do that, we're going to split the profits according to the percentage of the investment. Okay, that makes that's obviously how you would divide it, but that's where it's unspecified. But what happens if they initially bought the ox or the tractor to, well, let's keep it with an ox in this scenario, they bought the ox to plow and then they decided to shecht it. Either value of meat con- has gone, has skyrocketed, so it's more, it's more beneficial for them to shecht it. Or it's gone weak or whatever reason, it's more beneficial to shecht it. Now he says they divide according to their money. Why? Because there, theoretically, they each own a percent of the animal. Okay, and when the one invested 100 and the other invested 200, they each own 30, uh, the one owes 66% and the one owes 33%. Now, granted, um, when they, for plowing, they're equally essential to the business. But when they're dividing the actual animal, the one owns more of the animal than the other. So that's our rabbinate. Rabbanuna says, no, even if the shore is for harisha and then they decide to shecht it, you split it. Okay, his far is since they didn't specify at the time and they initially bought it 
Yeah, it doesn't matter what they initially bought it for. Since they don't specify at the time, you assume, again, you would not be able to buy that ox without my investment, even though my investment is minimal or much less. Therefore, um, you still split the, split the ox, even if they're going to shaft it. So Mesivay, they challenged more. Sorry, they challenged Rabba. Rabba was the one who said, where they using the ox for plowing? I so you can't plow with part of an ox. They're equally essential. You split it, the profits equally. But where they're going to shift the ox? Well, then you can cut the ox, the, the cuts of meat into different portions and split. So there you would split it according to their money. So we're going to challenge that. So Shnei she, Shnei, um, they challenged Rabba. If two put in investment, invested money together, this one put in 100 and this one went into a venture together, this one put in 100 and this one put in 200, the money, the profit is split. It says, my love, doesn't it make more sense to say that this is where, um, even where they end up shifting the ox they bought, it's you've to the rabbi, and then it's a rejection of rabbi. So Moran says, Law, Bishola Harisha for Ahmed Lacharisha. That's where the ox was bought for plowing and it's used for plowing. That's where they split the profits equally, because as we explained according to rabbi, that's where they're equally essential to the business. It says, Aval Shola Harisha. Now the Gemara is going to ask him, it says, Aval Shola Harisha for Ahmed Mai. So what would you say is the halacha of an ox that is bought to plow? But then used, then ended up shechting. You're going to tell me that this one splits according to his money and this one splits according to his money. At a tiny safer, but wait, what about what? Look what's taught in the safer. Let's read the safer and then I'll tell you what the Gomorrah is trying to bring out. The second is, If this one buys an ox with his money and this one buys an ox with his money, and then they join in the venture together. This one takes according to his investment and this one takes according to his investment. Right, let's say we work out that you know, most farms don't need one ox. Most farms need three. You've bought two ox and I've bought one ox. So let's go into a business venture and we'll rent out our oxen to other farmers. So how do we split the profit in that case? Two to one. Because you've put in two oxen and I've only put in one ox. Now, now what's, let's just, what the Gemara is going to bring out is we're contrasting the ratio and the Sefer. The, the ratio is teaching us a case where they split the profit equally and the Sefer is a case where they split the profit proportionately. So now, if you learn the price like we want to learn rubber, Again, having this background that we want to give a case where you split it equally and then proportionately, according to, well, according to Rav, who was at Rav Amduna, it makes a lot of sense. The first case is specifically where the ox was bought, oh, sorry, was where they took money and bought a shared ox. There, they split the profit the same. And even if they're going to shake the ox and divide the meat up, 
they still split it equally because they invested together to buy an ox for plowing where they're equally essential to the business, even though the one's investing more than the other. So therefore, we want to contrast that with a case that you split it proportionately. It has to come onto a new case where they actually each independently own oxen and that was their investment into the business. But according to Rabber, we have a simpler way of contrasting Again, what we're trying to contrast, where they divided equally to where they divided proportionately. Just say, where they bought it to plow and they're using it for plowing, they split equally. But where they bought it to plow and they end up deciding to shaft it, they split proportionately. You can use the exact same core case and teach both scenarios. One where they divide equally and one where they divide um, Proportionately, why come onto a new case if you learn it like rubber? So the Gemara says, actually, um, yeah. So that's what it means. Why don't we make the distinction in the same case? Cheers, have a good Shabbos. And b'shola charisha ba'omed lecharisha. Ava b'shola charisha ba'omed litvichos. Zeh noitel b'yimaso. Zeh noitel lefimaso. Just say that this one coming to where. That's where, just make the distinction in the same case according to Rabbi, that where it's bought for plowing and they're using it for plowing, that's where they split equally. But where it's bought for plowing and they end up deciding to shaft it, that's where they split proportionately. Again, you don't have to come onto a new case where they actually, not where they invest, where they each owned oxen and that's what they pulled. Well, I come onto the new case. So what it says now, that is actually what it's saying. It says, I when is this that they split the money equally? When they bought the ox to plow with and they're using it to plow. But if they bought the ox for plowing and they use it to shafting, okay, not a new case, but it's as if, it's made as if, it's as if. They bought, this one bought the oxen and this one bought his oxen, Venice Arvo, and they pulled their resources, their oxen. Each one takes according to his money. Okay, so we have a way to learn a rubber with this price. The Gomorrah is going to ask another question. But wait, we learned in our Mishnah. This is the last line of our Mishnah. Our Mishnah taught that if you have three people who put money in a wallet, I they invest money in a financial ven- in a venture together. If it if they lose out or it increases, that's how they divide it. Now my love, It sounds like that's where there's actually a decrease or actually an increase in profits. That's what it sounds like. Where the profits increased or the profits decreased. How did the Mishnah say you divide it? You divide it proportionately. That's what we said as a teaching when it says v'chaim. It doesn't mean they divide it equally, they divide it proportionally. Which is a kasha on Shmuel, because Shmuel said, in business ventures which it's not specified how you're going to split the profit, how do you divide it? Equally. So that's what, so our Mishnah again, which says, they put the money in together, they divide, so one puts in 200 and one puts in 100, they divide it, the profits proportionately, it seems to contradict, is a kasha on Shmuel, you said that no. If it's unspecified, you always split it equally. So Omar Rav Nachman, Omar Rabbi Bavur, Rav Nachman said in the name of Rabbi Bavur, this is arguing on behalf of Shmuel. It says, law is law. That's not what it meant. Again, when it said 
increase or decrease. It wasn't saying if it, sorry, when it said pichsu or hoisiru, it wasn't saying if they made a loss or a profit. What it's actually referring to is hoisiru is zuze chadasi, is where the ing, they added on the value means they got new coins. Pichsu astira ditsunisa and where it says they lost out, it's referring to where the coins became fit for a wound. What are we saying? I'll explain it. It's very cryptic, but I'll, luckily we have Rashi and uh, other Perushim that explain it to us. But what he's saying is now, let's start with Hosiru. We thought that Hosiru, again, the, the business venture of our Mishnah was one put in 200, one put in 100, and they ended up with 600. So the one gets his 200 back, the other one gets his 100 back. How do you divide the remaining, the 300 grand profit? So we thought that according to Shmuel, you should split it equally, but our Mishnah says you split it, split it proportionately, saying that's not what our Mishnah is talking about. What our Mishnah is talking about is where they, their turnover, they basically ended up with the exact same amount of money, just with new coins. Now remember, their coins were valued based on their weight. So if you had a silver coin, could be the exact same coin, a silver one rand coin, and someone else has a silver one rand coin, but your one rand coin's more worn and a little bit uh, chipped away, it's in reality worth less. When you go to a regular shop, so you're just going to use it, but when you actually go to a money changer or a banker or something, they're going to tell you, look how much it weighs, it's worth a bit less. So this business, basically what they ended up doing, they each put in, again, the one put in 200, the one put in 100, but they put in old coins. And then they did some business and trading or whatever, and they ended up with, again, 300 worth of new coins. So he says, now, how are they going to split it? They're going to split it along the line proportionately. This one started with 200, so he gets 200 back. This one started with 100, he gets 100 back. That's what our issues are like. We're not discussing the profit. Which, would, which is what Shmuel was discussing. We're not discussing. And so too with the other way around. Pichsu is tirtu ditsunusa. Ditsunisa is a coin that became invalid. Right, what happens? You have a king. You have the... You have a, you have a king. And then the new king or someone else conquers that country. Whatever happens. What does he do? He invalidates all coins that are minted with the old king's uh, head. So all the coins that this partnership had were now invalid. What's the use of the coin? Only as for, they used to use it as a refuah, they used to put it on soles on their feet because the metal and the print and whatever soothed or eased the pain or maybe helped with the refuah. So those coins, they're not worth anything financially, you're not going to be able to buy anything in the shop with it. But you are going to be able to. Um, so you are going to be able to use it. So the one put in 100, the one put in 200. They're now coming to split it. Again, they're not splitting the profit or the loss. They're splitting the money that they put into the business, and they're going to get those basically those that same money back. So therefore, even though there's a huge loss, because what was real money is now just uh, I don't know what you call it uh, plasters. They're getting their money back. So they, they did suffer a loss, but they're getting their money back, so you wouldn't count it like that. I think we'll leave it there for today. Have a very good Shabbos, and I'll see you yeah. Sunday.
Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Sari Gimel. Today's shoes the um, Ilunishmas Gila Gila Bas Yitzchak Yisrael Halevi and Oraklev Bas Gershom and Eliyahu Ben Leon. May the Neshamas have an Aliyah and may the memory be a blessing. Um, it's also for a full Shlema of She have a complete and speedy recovery. Okay, so we got up to the mission at the top of Tari Gimel Amar Aleph, 93a. Um, the six lines. He says, Misha Hoyonasu. Interesting. We're going to notice. We start off the parak with someone who was married to two women. Now we're moving on to someone who's married to three women. And we're going to move on to someone who's married to four women. At the end of today's daf, it seems by mentioning that is it seems that the next Mishnah, it's not so relevant how many wives he was married to, but just to keep it, uh, remember they used to focus on, mem- on knowing the Mishnahs of Bahat and memorizing them, so it's a way to remember it is, oh, the Mishnah of two wives, three wives, four wives, as opposed to two, three, you know, and then it just gets confusing. So Mishnah, once in a while we do answer questions in a Mishnah, like I don't know if you remember, but we see quite a few times it says, why does it use this term in the ratio when it, or in the safer in the first half of the Mishnah when it's not precise? Should use a more precise term. It says, no, it just wants to keep it uniform with the second part of the Mishnah. I mean, what, what different? Why keep it uniform? No, when you have to remember it off the heart, then it's easier to have it either opposites or the case the same, even though it's not, or use the same term, even though just to keep it uniform, even though so. So we find that in the Mishnahs a few times that it uh, had that, it was, what's it, compiled in that style. So Misha Yonosu, so Misha if someone was married to two wives, Umais, and then he dies. Subasa Shalzu Mone, Veshalzu Mosaim, Veshalzu Shalash Mayas. And the Ksuba of the one woman is a hundred, the second woman, 200 and the third woman 300. I'm just going to call them first, second, and third wife. Again, the first one's ksuba is the cheapest 100, then 200, and then 300. Now, just before we go into the mission, we're going to see how does this tana hold you divide. Oh, first point is you have to learn that all of these ksubas have the same date because we're going to say they each have an equal claim to the estate. Now, if one ksuba is earlier than the other, well, her shibud, her lean on the land of the estate, came first. So she would get first rights. So that's why we have to be discussing a case where all their liens on the shibud, on the property, on the estate, came at the same time. Quite a busy day, imagine it. <laughs> yeah. um, so the Rampa brings the halacha, you can marry multiple women at once. You're busy, woman, the same day. Same day, yeah. And the one, 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 and the one,
So either, yeah, so either or uh, they forgot it. Each one says, no, I was the one who got married and had the first wedding. And one was, no, I was the one who had the first wedding and no one really remembers clearly something like that. Okay, but Misha, so, so that's the case. He married three women, each with a different super. Now we're going to discuss whether a state is less than the amount. I mean, strictly speaking, he needs... Um, 600 for this estate to pay off the ksubas. What happens if the estate is much less? How do they divide it? Um, you might as well mention it now. How this ton of holds we divide is the lien gives each of the women equal rights to the property that they have a lien on. Which means that you don't divide it, what's it, uh, um, three parts to the woman with three, two parts, well, it's actually, yeah, yeah, three parts to the woman who is owed three to the third wife and two parts to the second wife and one part to the first wife. You don't divide it proportionally. You divide it uh, uh, the standard way. We're going to have to work out how it fits in with the Mishnah. But the way he holds you divide is the first wife has a lien on 100 of the estate. The second wife has a lien on 200 of the estate. And the third wife has a lien on 300 of the estate. So the first 100 that they're dividing, all three women have an equal claim to. So you'd have to split it three ways. The second 100, only the second and third woman have a lien on that 100. Because the first one's lien was only on 100 of the property. So she's got 33. The second has got 133 at that stage. No, so the second one will have... 66. Oh, sorry, 66. And the third one will also have 66. And then the last 100, only the third one has a lien on, so she'll have 166 from the estate. So that's the, that's the thing. Now, that's the system that he works under, but as we're going to see, the mission of the numbers don't work out. And then the Gomorrah is going to analyze, okay, so wait, why are the numbers not working out there? But that's how we would expect it to work out, that, like the numbers we discussed. The first one should get just 33, because they divide the first 100. They each equally have a claim to that first 100. The second 100, the first one doesn't have a claim to. She only had a claim to the first 100. That's the way the mission understands it. <coughs> okay, so <laughs> let's see. Uh, so I'm just calling it the first one. You're right. It's not really first, second, and third. They're all his first wife. Um, I'm just calling it the first one just to keep it, to, so we can distinguish between them. So that, that, that's why, but you're right. So he says, If there's only money, there's only 100 in the estate, so they divided equally. Um, second scenario says, What happens if there was 200? Okay, how we described it, just to highlight how the Mishnah doesn't make sense, is how should they divide 200? So all three split the first one. one. Then the second hundred, the second two divide. So the first one will have just 33, and then each of the other wives get uh, 83. Because uh, they've got 200. Yeah. So he's going to get a third of 200? No, no, no. Each, they each have a lien on the first hundred, an equal lien on the first hundred, all three wives. Oh, I see. They each have an equal lien on the first hundred. Because again, a woman who's owed 100 only has a lien on 100 of the estate. Oh, I see. They each owed okay. more, some, yeah. some 100 and some more. So then they would each get 
33% of the first 100, so let's say 33 and a third zoos, and of the second 100, only the second two wives split it. So, they, so the first one gets 33%, oh, sorry, 33 zoos, and the other two get 83 and a third zoos. So that's, that's how we would expect them to divide it. But it says, Hoyu Shom Asayim, if there was 200, Shomona and Oteles Hamishim, the woman who's owed 100, I would, I called. Yeah, I should highlight Benji. The mission doesn't say first. It just says he married three women. I call the first, second, and third, just so we can distinguish between the woman who's owed 100, 200, and 300. That's what you're right. It doesn't say first, second, and third. And that's what it says here. Me, um, it says, how you, um, Shalmone, the woman who's owed 100, doesn't call her the first wife. I called her the first wife. Because you're right. Because getting short in the stick. Oh, so, so it's Benji's question. Yeah. Oh. Why well, pick Benji and not me, for yeah. example? Oh, so, so I'll explain that again, but let's just go yeah, through yeah, the numbers. Yeah, the woman who's owed 100 gets... 50. And the other two women, the woman who's owed a ksuba of 200, the woman who's owed a ksuba of 300, each get three gold dinars. A gold dinar is 25, so 25. Uh, 75, 75. So the other two. Now, yeah, let's just do the third case. What happens if there's 300 zoos in the estate? Still, it's short 600, another 300 zoos to pay off the full estate. So how are they going to divide it? Shalmone, not tell us commission. The one who's owed 100 gets 50. Shalmosayim, money. The one who's owed 200 gets 100. The shall shalosh mayos, shisha shills off. And the one who's owed 300 gets 6 gold coins, which is again 6 times 25, 150 zoos. And then it says again a confusing line because it's not the exact same. If three people can literally put their money in, a, in one wallet, either they enter a business venture together, and then they make a profit or a loss, they divide. What does it mean? How do they divide? Now, Tosas point out it's not the same. What it means by saying it's the same, before we go on to the plan, how do they divide? They divide proportionately to the investment of the capital. The one partner puts in 100 and the other partner puts in 200, and you're going to split the profit one and two, uh, three ways, with one getting to uh, double the other. Um, when it says Vachain, it means we're not splitting it equally, we're splitting it proportionately. Okay, now let me just explain how the Mishnah, the, the Sephora behind the Mishnah, this is, this is why, I mean, yeah, shouldn't use the terms first, second, and third because it is misleading. But as far as that, the amount that a woman is owed for her ksuba, okay, it would be it's very similar to credit, but the amount that the woman is owed for her ksuba is how much she has a lead on the estate. So the, if there's only 100 in the estate, the woman who's owed 100 and the woman who's owed 200 and the woman who's owed 300 have an equal lien on that 100. Okay, not what you... Again, they're not going to split it proportionately. Divide the 100 into 6 and split uh, 3 parts to the 1 into 3. That's not how you do it. You see what their lien is. And they each have an equal lien, an equal shibud on that 100. When there's 200 in the estate, so all three have an equal lien on the first 100. But of the second 100, only the second two women have a lien on. So that's, how, that's why it gets complicated. Now the Gemara raises... The complication with the first 
with the with the second case. We said where there was two hundred, the first one, the one who's owed it, not the first one, the one who's owed hundred gets fifty, the one who's owed two hundred and three hundred each get seventy-five. So now the Gemara says, Shomona noteres chamishim, lisin v'tlisa, v'tilsa, who is slain. She shouldn't get 50. She should get 33 and a third. Again, the first 100 should be split equally three ways. So each has an equal lien on it. So why does the Mishnah say, Oh, my Shmuel, Shmuel says, and this is how he's going to explain the Mishnah, Bukhoiseves malas mosayu de balas mone, where the one who's owed 200 says to the one who's owed 100, I'll have no claim against you in the first 100. I, the second one, says, You know what? I don't want to enter into fights with you. I'm going to withdraw my hand on collecting from the first hundred. So now they're just two wives collecting from the first one hundred. So that's why she gets they split at 50-50. So the Gemara asks, Oh wait, Ihachi I'm a safer. But then the second part of that doesn't work out. So how would you say it works? The first the woman who's owed one hundred gets fifty. Because there are only two splitting that first hundred. The second woman the woman who's owed the woman who's owed 300 gets 50 because she should get the other part of that 100 and then the second 100 the last two um, the one who's owed 200 and the one who's owed 300 should split it equally they each have an equal claim so how much should the woman who's owed 300 get 100 but we said that the woman who's owed 300 and the woman who's owed 200 get an equal share of 75. So that's what the Gemara, so that's what Yahya is safe. But wait, the next clause doesn't make sense. It says, The woman owed 200 and the woman owed 300. Shalosh, Shalosh, Each get three gold coins, 75 zoos. It says, The woman who's owed 300 says, Say to the woman who's owed 200, You withdrew your hands from your claim on the first 100. So the Gemara answers again. I didn't. Re- I've got to admit, I didn't really understand the logic here. But he says, "Mishum to Amra lay." She can say to him, "Dinu He says, "No, all I withdrew myself was from arguing with that woman who is owed 100. But I didn't really withdraw my shibud on that land. So what happens when she goes to the first wife? This woman who's owed 200 goes to the first wife. Says, "I don't want to fight with you." I'm not going to argue with your share on the first hundred. What's she say? In regards to you, it's as if there are only two wives. And therefore, you're going to get 50. <coughs> Regarding my, I'm not relinquishing my shibble on that first 100. So, I, so she splits it with the woman who's owed 300. So the woman who's owed 200 and the woman who's owed 300 split the last 50. I don't really understand the logic of that because... So Ash will discuss it, but I didn't uh, get a chance to really analyze it. While that's difficult, is granted I don't want to fight with you. How can that cause a loss to someone else? Because again, if I don't want to, let's say they would split it equally. How much, let's say they would keep with the normal division. So they would each get 33 in the first 100. And then they would get... Um, the woman who's owed 200 and the woman who's owed 300 would split the second 100 50-50. So how much would the woman who was owed 300 end up with? 83. How much is she ending up with? 75. 
So it's, it's, I'm struggling to see how can this person, this wife say, the woman who's owed 200 say, no, I don't want to fight with the first one. So let, I'm going to withdraw my claim regarding her from the first 100. So she'll get 50 and the woman who's owed 300 gets 50. But no, the woman who's owed 300, I am prepared to fight with. So we split that 50 equally. And now the woman who's owed 300 and the woman who's owed 200 then split the second 100 equally. So they each get 75. So the woman who's owed 300, instead of getting 83, if they would have followed them, 83 and 30, if they would have followed the normal division, is getting 75. So it's difficult for me that how this, what the wife who's owed 200 can say, I don't want to fight with the wife who's owed 100. Therefore, they, she gets half of the first 100. And now the woman who's owed 300 loses out. And, okay, but that's, uh, but that's, that's how Shmuel answers. And now he just explains, the next case is, if there was 300, etc., how do they, again, how are we going to struggle with how you end up with a number? The one who's owed 200 gets 100. Shivim she should only get 75. Okay, because she, you're right, we've established the case. Again, not, you can't read the mission at face value. So how we establish the case? That the second woman, the woman who was owed 200 said to the woman who was owed 100, I'm not getting into a fight with you. So the woman who's owed 100 gets 50 from the first 100, and the other two each get 75. So that's the case. But then the next division shouldn't work like that. How should the next division work? The, the, the woman who's owed 200, um, 200, 300, split the next 100, 50, 50. <coughs> so now they each on 75. And the woman who's owed 300 should take the last 100 for herself because she's only the only one who has a deed on it. Okay, so she should get 175. But that's what it said. It said, Shomosai Monet says the one who's owed 200 gets 100. She should only get 75, as we explained. So Omar Shmuel, Shmuel says, says, no. Shmuel says, the case is where the woman who is owed 300 said to the woman who's owed 200 and to the woman who's owed 100, I don't want to fight with you regarding the first hundred. So now what happens? Um, they, he's actually saying, in that clause of the Mishnah, you have to work it out differently. You have to say, the first two women, the 100 and the 200, split the first hundred. Because the third said, I'm not going to discuss with you with that 100. So they split it, each getting 50. The second hundred now... The woman who's owed two and the woman who owed three split equally because they each have an equal lead on it. So that's now the one who's owed one, uh, 200 has 100 and the one who's owed 300 has 50 and the last 100, only the, the third 100, only the one who's owed 300 has a lead on that. So she gets the full amount, so she'll end up with 150. That's how you end up with a mission. Just important to note, what we're doing with this is 
We're taking the same principle of how they divide. We're just saying the Mishnah doesn't work at face value, and you have to do, I think I think the word is an ukimta. You have to establish the Mishnah as a very specific case. And that's why it's almost bizarre how we're working. Because we're saying that the Tana comes along and he says that the first one, you know, how to split the money, and it just doesn't make sense. So Shmuel comes along, I'll tell you what the case is. The first, the case where they're splitting 200 amongst the three women is where the first one said to the, the second one said, the one who's owed 200 says to the one who's owed 100, I'm not going to discuss, the, I'm not going to fight with you over the first 100. So then we resolve the mission in that way. And then he says, Shmuel says, and what's the case of the second? Um, sorry, of the case where they're dividing 300 money amongst themselves, is where the third one says to the first two, I'm not going to debate, I'm, I don't want to get into a fight with you over the first 100, you two split it. So we're establishing these two cases, these two very different ways that the women are discussing among themselves what they actually fighting for in court. Now, we're going to give another way to resolve the Mishnah. Rabbi Yaakov, in a way, it's a harder way to look at the Mishnah. It's even, by, by that I mean it's, it's, in a way, it's a greater stretch of the imagination to look at the Mishnah like that. But at least then the first, the, the two cases that, we're, that are under discussion are, uh, are more uniform. You'll see what I mean now. Says Rabbi Yaakov Minar Pakot Mishmaidu Ravina Omar Rabbi Yaakov Minar Pakot said in the name of Ravina. Reisha, I the first case I where they splitting the two hundred bishtei tvisus the safer bishtei tvisus. It's where they collecting from the property in two stages. Both where they collecting both where. Again, cases as it's the same Mishnah where the one woman's owed 100, the other woman's owed 200, the other woman's owed 300 for Iksuba, and the ratio is where they want to split 200, and the safe is where they want to split 300, but they both where they collect in the property in two stages. And now he's going to explain what he means by that. It says, It's where first 75 fell, so they split that. I, they managed to, I, I don't know exactly how it's working that it came in two stages, but for whatever reason the state had 75 in one stage, and then it had another 125 in a second stage. Well, I'll explain how you do the calculation shortly. Let's just see contrast with the safer, Bishtei Tvisus. The safe is also a two Tvisus. The Chamisha Bechadzimna. Keep it uniform. In the first Tvisin, the first stage of where they're splitting the property, there was 75. Just as we saw previously, and there were 225 at one time, I in the second stage of division. Um, now, how did that work? So, in the first, so, so it works as follows. Let's start with the first amount. So, we have these three women splitting. 200 zoos, but first the estate only has 75 zoos. Maybe not all the debts have been received, waiting for uh, uh, things to be sold off and uh, debts to come in, but they do the first division where it's 75. They each have an equal lien on that 75. Because as we said, 
they each have an equal lien up to the first hundred of the estate. So each woman gets 25 from that 75. Now, at a later point, 125 fall to them. They each still have an equal lien on the further 75 because they've only been paid out 25. And now there's more money in the estate, so they're each claiming, an equally claiming, an additional 75. So therefore, they'll split the next 75 equally. So they each have, so how much do they each have? 50. They each have 50. And now, the woman who's owed um, 100, and the woman who's owed 200, have a, so the one's claiming 125, and the other one's claiming 225, but again, on that last, sorry, the one's claiming 100, and the other one's, for her 100, they've already split it. So the one's claiming seven, uh, 100, and the other one's claiming 200, but they each have an equal lien on the last 20, 50 of the estate. Because remember, um, so therefore, they split it equally. And therefore, so how much do they each end up with? As we said, they each had 50 from the first two parts of the division. And now from this stage, they split it. The last two women, the woman who's owed 200, the woman who owes 300, split the 50 equally, so they each end up with 75. And that fits in perfectly with the numbers given in the Mishnah. The second, the safer. So again, what's the safer? Again, we have these three women. One owed 100, one owed 200, one owed 300. They come to divide the estate. At first stage, falls 75. And they split that. At a later stage, 225. So let's work that out. So the first stage, they each have an equal claim on the 75. Because they each have an equal claim on the first 100. So, obviously, the 75, they each have an equal claim, so they split that three ways, 25 each. On the, then they each come, then the estate gets more. This is the second twistle where there's 225 available. So, what's the, they each have an equal claim on the next 75, because they're all 75 short from their first 100, which again, that's all three women have an equal claim up unto 100. That's the important point. So they split the next, and they each only got paid out 75, so they split the next 75 three ways. That's what they each have an equal claim on. So they split the next 75 three ways. All three women end up with, um, 50, have 50, and now they're working. The first one is out of the picture, because she's collected what she will get with her lien on 100. The full 50. 50, yeah. So she gets 50 out of her 100 claim. The... Then, so how much money is left in the estate? A hundred and... What have we done? Um, 150. 150. So, the last two women have another equal claim on the next hundred. On the next hundred. Because they were owed... So they each get another 50. And own, now there's 50 left. But So, so they, that's of the second hundred. The third woman has a, the only lien on the last amount, the last 50, so she ends up with 150. And that now we've resolved that, that that lines up with the numbers mentioned in the Mishnah. Okay, so again, as you can see, what has we done? He's done what's called an ukimta. Um, again, he's, he's taken the Mishnah. He said the numbers of the Mishnah don't work. We have to find what's the strange case. 
So Shmuel's was, from the one aspect, Shmuel's was more straightforward. He just explained, the one woman says, I'm not debating with the one case, but obviously it's where the whole estate is up for division at once. That's more standard. Then in the second case, he's saying, he, Rabbi Yaakov Minar Pukot is saying that first 75 zoos of the estate felt to be divided, and at a later date, the rest of the estate came to be divided. That's strange. But what's easy about Rabbi Yaakov Minar Pukot is both cases are where First 75 fell, and then the remainders fell. Shmuel had to change from the first case being where the second woman said to the first woman, I'm not going to fight over the first hundred, and the second case is where the third woman said to both of those women, I'm not going to fight over the first hundred. So they're each difficult in reading it into the Mishnah, but you have to read something. Rebbe, by writing those wrong numbers in the Mishnah, what's Rebbe doing? He's forcing us to read something into the Mishnah. Okay, now, very interesting. Tanya Zu Mishnah's Rebbe Nosa. This Mishnah lines up with Rebbe Nosa. Okay, what was the underlying score? The most important point of the Mishnah to remember is what's the important point? What's the underlying principle behind the Mishnah? Is the woman, you go based on their shibud of the land up until the amount that they can claim. So the first one has a shibud of 100. And she can't claim, she has no claim in any of the assets available over 100. The second, the wife who was owed 200, has a shibud, has a, a claim on 200 of the estate and no more of the estate than 200. And the third one has a claim of 300. So they have a, each, so, so again, according to the mission, they have an equal claim in the 300, in the first, sorry, they have an equal claim in the first 100. Only the woman owed 200, 300 have a claim in the second 100. And if there's any more of the state available, only the third one has a claim in that. That's the Mishnah. That's Rebi Noson. Rebi Omer Einani Rod Varisha Rebi Noson. Rebi says, I don't understand Rebi Noson. The Elu in regards to this. Elocholkos Beshobin, they divided equally. He says, no. How does a lien work? They each have an equal lien on the whole estate until they've been paid out. So this woman who's owed one, let's say there's 300 in the estate to divide. This woman who's owed 100 has a lien on the whole estate until she's been paid out her 100. And the woman who's owed 200 has a lien on the whole estate until she's been paid out her 200. And the third woman has a lien on the whole estate. So if there is only 300 to be divided, they still all have an equal claim in that. So how are they going to split it? Very interesting. They're going to split it. They're each going to get 100 because they have an equal claim on the estate of 300. An equal bond. Again, it's the same thing if you think about it when you take out a loan. It's not that the loan can only, has a, the loan only is bonded to half of your estate which is equal to the value of the loan. The loan is bonded to the whole estate. And then when the creditor comes to collect, he's going to collect Again, up to the value of the loan, but from theoretically any part of the estate. Okay, obviously the debtor can choose which part of the estate he's going to get, but really he has a bond on any part of the estate. Okay, now let's go on to the next point. Um, this is going to be focused around the last case of the Mishnah, but it's a different case. Um, and if you think about it, generally when people are investing capital in a business, they're going to specify how to divide the profits. 
So if I'm putting in 100, you 200, and you 300, and you 400, we're going to discuss how to split the profit. And very often, if it's going to be the profit um, proportional to our investments, we'll mention that in the contract that we draw up when we go into this partnership, into this venture together. But that's not a given, because maybe you're going to be putting in the capital, but I'm going to be putting in the expertise. Or you're going to be putting in the capital, or more of the capital, and I'm going to be putting in more of the time. So it doesn't just because you're putting in more capital than me. It's not a given that we're going to divide it proportional to the capital. So that's that's important to realize. So the current, the next case, what Shmuel seems, what Shmuel's speaking about, is a case where they didn't specify it. So we're going to assume that they want the profits or the loss to be split equally, not proportionately to the money they invest, they invested. So almost Shmuel Shmuel. If you have two people who invest in a venture together. One puts in 100 and one puts in 200. They split the schar. Um, it will come out even more apparent why, um, why in certain scenarios that makes even more sense. Oh, my rabbi, rabbi says, Mr. Ramil said, Shmuel makes a lot of sense if we're discussing, for example, an ox bought to plow and they're going to use it to plow. Right, let's, for whatever reason, we go into partnership to buy an ox. Maybe we rent out this, let's call it an ox, let's call it a tractor. We rent out this tractor to farmers to use to plow. Now, whether, why does Rabba say it makes a lot of sense? Because no matter how much you put into the tractor and how little I put into the tractor in the investment in the initial, in the buying of this tractor, the tractor can't work without both of our investments. If we take out my 30% of the investment, so you want you can have 60% of a tractor, 60% of an ox, you're not going to be able to plow with that. So granted, our investment in the capital are not the same. They're equally essential to the venture. So therefore, Rabbi says it makes sense why Shmuel would say you split it equally. Again, where it's unspecified, if we specify at the time of drawing up the contract of how business is going to do that, we're going to split the profits according to the percentage of the investment. Okay, that makes that's obviously how you would divide it, but yes, where it's unspecified. It says, But what happens if they initially bought the ox or the tractor to, well, let's keep it with an ox in this one, they bought the ox to plow and then they decided to shecht it. Either the value of meat con- has gone has skyrocketed, so it's more it's more beneficial for them to shecht it, or it's gone weak, or whatever reason it's more beneficial to shecht it. Now he says they divide according to their money. Why? Because there, theoretically, they each own a percent of the animal. Okay, and when the one invested 100 and the other invested 200, they each own 30. Uh, the one owes 66 percent, and the one owns 33 percent. Now, granted. Um, when they for ploughing they're equally essential to the business but when they're dividing the actual animal the one owns more of the animal than the other so that's our rabbinus Rabbanuna says no even if the shore is for harisha and then they decide to shecht it, you split it Okay, his story is since they didn't specify at the time and they initially bought it 
Yeah, it doesn't matter what the energy bought for. Since they don't specify at the time, you assume, again, you would not be able to buy that ox without my investment, even though my investment is minimal or much less. Therefore, um, you still split the, split the ox, even if they're going to shaft it. So Mesivay, they challenge more. Sorry, they challenged Rabba. Rabba was the one who said, where they using the ox for plowing? I so you can't plow with part of an ox. They're equally essential. You split it, the profits equally. But where they're going to shift the ox? Well, then you can cut the ox, the, the cuts of meat into different portions and split. So there you would split it according to their money. So we're going to challenge that. So Shnei she, Shnei, they challenged Rabba. If two put in investment, invested money together, this one put in 100 and this one went into a venture together, this one put in 100 and this one put in 200, the money, the profit is split. It says, my love, doesn't it make more sense to say that this is where, um, even where they end up shifting the ox they bought, it's youth to the rabbi, and then it's a rejection of rabbi. Someone answers, Law, Beshola Harisha for Emedla Harisha. That's where the ox was bought for plowing and it's used for plowing. That's where they split the profits equally, because as we explained according to rabbi, that's where they're equally essential to the business. It says, Aval Shola Harisha. Now the Gomorrah is going to ask, and it says, Aval Shola Harisha for Emedla Mai. So what would you say is the halacha of an ox that is bought to plow? But then used, then ended up shechting. You're going to tell me that this one splits according to his money and this one splits according to his money. Adatani Sefer, but wait, what about what? Look what's taught in the Sefer. Let's read the Sefer and then I'll tell you what the Gomorrah is trying to bring out. It says, the second says, If this one buys an ox with his money and this one buys an ox with his money, and then they join in the venture together. This one takes according to his investment and this one takes according to his investment. I, let's say we work out that you know, most farms don't need one ox. Most farms need three. You've bought two ox and I've bought one ox. So let's go into a business venture and we'll rent out our oxen to other farmers. So how do we split the profit in that case? Two to one. You've put in two oxen and I've only put in one ox. Now, now what's let's just what the Gemara is going to bring out is we're contrasting the ratio and the safer. The say the ratio is teaching us a case where they split the profit equally, and the safer is a case where they split the profit proportionately. So now, if you learn the price like we want to learn rubber. Again, having this background that we want to give a case where you split it equally and then proportionately, according to, well, according to Rav, who was at Rav Amluna, it makes a lot of sense. The first case is specifically where the ox was bought, oh, sorry, was where they took money and bought a shared ox. There, they split the profit the same. And even if they're going to shift the ox and divide the meat up, 
they still split it equally because they invested together to buy an ox for plowing where they're equally essential to the business, even though the one's investing more than the other. So therefore, we want to contrast that with a case that you split it proportionately. It has to come onto a new case where they actually each independently own oxen and that was their investment into the business. But according to Rabba, we have a simpler way of contrasting Again, what we're trying to contrast, where they divided equally to where they divided proportionately. Just say, where they bought it to plow and they're using it for plowing, they split equally. But where they bought it to plow and they end up deciding to shaft it, they split proportionately. You can use the exact same core case and teach both scenarios. One where they divide equally and one where they divide um, Proportionately, why come onto a new case if you're learning like Rabba? So the Gemara says, actually, um, yeah. So that's what he means. Why don't we make the distinction in the same case? Cheers, have a good Shabbos. Just say that this one coming to where. That's where, just make the distinction in the same case according to Rabbi that where it's bought for plowing and they're using it for plowing, that's where they split equally. But where it's bought for plowing and they end up deciding to shaft it, that's where they split proportionately. Again, you don't have to come onto a new case where they actually not, where they invest, where they each owned oxen and that's what they pulled. Well, I come onto the new case. So the says, no, how can that is actually what it's saying. It says, When is this that they split the money equally? When they bought the ox to plow it and they're using it to plow. But if they bought the ox for plowing and they use it to shafting, okay, not a new case, but it's as if, it's made as if, it's as if. They bought, this one bought the oxen and this one bought his oxen, Venice Arvo, and they pooled their resources, their, their oxen. They're no to the female they're no to the female Each one takes according to his money. Okay, so we have a way to learn a rabbit with this price. The Gemara is going to ask another question. Tlan, but wait, we learned in our Mishnah. This is the last line of our Mishnah. Al Mishnah taught that if you have three people who put money in a wallet, either invest money in a financial ven- in a venture together, if it if they lose out or it increases, that's how they divide it. Now my love, it sounds like that's where there's actually a decrease or actually an increase in profits. That's what it sounds like, where the profits increased or the profits decreased. How did the Mishnah say you divide it? You divide it proportionately. That's what we said as a teaching when it says v'chaim. It doesn't mean they divide it equally, they divide it proportionally. Which is a kasha on Shmuel, because Shmuel said, in business ventures which it's not specified how you're going to split the profit, how do you divide it? Equally. So that's what, so our Mishnah again, which says, they put the money in together, they divide, so one puts in 200 and one puts in 100, they divide the profits proportionately, it seems to contradict, is a kasha on Shmuel, you said that no. If it's unspecified, you always split it equally. So Omar Nachman, Omar Rabbi Bavur, Rabbi Nachman said the name of Rabbi Bavur. This is arguing on behalf of Shmuel. It says, Lo, it's, lo. 
That's not what it meant. Again, when it said increase or decrease, it wasn't saying if it, sorry, when it said pichsu or hoisiru, it wasn't saying if they made a loss or a profit. What it's actually referring to is hoisiru is zuze chadasi, is where the ing, they added on the value means they got new coins. Pichsu astira ditsunisa and where it says they lost out, it's referring to where the coins became fit for a wound. What are we saying? I'll explain it. It's very cryptic, but luckily we have Rashi and uh, other Perushin that explain it to us. But what he's saying is no. Let's start with Hosiru. We thought that Hosiru, again, the, the business venture of our Mishnah was one put in 200, one put in 100, and they ended up with 600. So the one gets his 200 back, the other one gets his 100 back. How do you divide the remaining, the 300 grand profit? So we thought that according to Shmuel, you should split it equally, but our Mishnah says you split it, split it proportionately, saying that's not what our Mishnah is talking about. What our Mishnah is talking about is where they, their turnover, they basically ended up with the exact same amount of money, just with new coins. Now remember, their coins were valued based on their weight. So if you had a silver coin, it could be the exact same coin, a silver one-rand coin, and someone else has a silver one-rand coin, but your one-rand coin is more worn and a little bit uh, chipped away, it's in reality worth less. When you go to a regular shop, so you're just going to use it, but when you actually go to a money changer or a banker or something, they're going to tell you, Look how much it weighs, it's worth a bit less. So this business, basically what they ended up doing, they each put in, again, the one put in 200, the one put in 100, but they put in old coins. And then they did some business and trading or whatever, and they ended up with, again, 300 worth of new coins. So he says, no, how are they going to split it? They're going to split it along the line proportionately. This one started with 200, so he gets 200 back. This one started with 100, he gets 100 back. That's what our issues thought about. Not, we're not discussing the profit. Which, would, which is what Shmuel was discussing. We're not discussing. And so too with the other way around. Pichsu is tirta ditsunusa. Ditsunisa is a coin that became invalid. Right, what happens? You have a king. You have the. You have a you have a king, and then the new king or someone else conquers that country. Whatever happens, what does he do? He invalidates all coins that are minted with the old king's uh, head. So all the coins that this partnership had were now invalid. What's the use of the coin? Only as for, they used to use it as a refuah, they used to put it on saws on their feet because the metal and the print and whatever soothed or eased the pain or maybe helped with the refuah. So those coins, they're not worth anything financially. I'm not going to be able to buy anything in the shop with it but you are going to be able to um, so you are going to be able to use it. So the one put in 100, the one put in 200, they're now coming to split it. Again, they're not splitting the profit or the loss, they're splitting the money that they put into the business. And they're going to get those, basically, those that same money back. So therefore, even though there's a huge loss, because what was real money is now just, uh, I don't know what you call it, uh, plasters, they're getting their money back. So they, they did suffer a loss, but they're getting their money back, so you wouldn't count it like that. I think we'll leave it there for today. Have a very good Shabbos, and I'll see you yeah. Sunday.